This is the time where Taisha, AKA Ty, you, me, Aisha, come together to discuss all things in the world, all things politic-wise, social-wise, personal-wise. Okay. We're just gonna have a conversation about everything. Arts, music, family, yeah. love, life, relationships, wherever the conversation yeah. takes us. Yeah, that Black and Asian comes together and just creates something beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. <laughs> so you know how you sent me that Black and Yellow song? Yes. <laughs> and you were like, <laughs> I'm about to be out of pocket, but I want this to be our theme song. So that actually was my my song with my friend Rory back in the 2000s, I think, was when that was released, right? I feel like I was like in college or something. So 2000s. So, yeah, like around like 2005. It's late 2000, mid to late. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Wiz Khalifa, Black and How'd you oh, come up with all these elaborate oh, backstories? Glad you asked. Uh, I got help from a pro. I'm sorry, what were you saying? <laughs> I was gonna what play. was that? It's an ad. It's oh, we got to get YouTube Pro. Oh, YouTube, I never heard of this. There's always a pro. They always want to get all your money. I have YouTube Premium. It is, I, I mean, I do watch a lot of YouTube. I'm not going to lie. Yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow. Yeah. You know what it is. Black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yellow. Okay, can we just dissect that for a second? I have no idea what that song is about. What is that song about? I think... Is it about the oh. Steelers? No, I'm kidding. It's not about I the think Steelers. it's about like when a crime happens. Oh. Black and yellow tape. Oh, that's very, very different than what we are doing. Well, it's okay because we can appropriate it in an appropriate way because <laughs> we are <laughs> representing. We will just play, we'll just play the chorus, all right? Okay. We will leave out any verses about crime or arrest. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you Police know brutality. Because Wiz Khalifa is a Virgo like us. So That's it makes true. sense. <laughs> oh, I didn't That's know that. true. Up. Did you just look this up right now? I did. I did. So is this like the second thing that you look up when you Google people? Oh, like the first thing you look up is like their Wikipedia page and their second thing is their horoscope. I mean, you just see their like birthday. So, oh, and officially Black and Yellow was released September 14th, 2010. Oh, so it was only 10 years ago. It seems like so much longer. Well, 10 years is a long time. And like, You're right. It was when I had finished grad school and I had just moved back to San Jose. So, and I think that's when Rory and I started hanging out again. Oh, Rory. No. Oh, <laughs> do you care for Rory? Oh, my, oh I, I don't know. I, like, I didn't know that was a friend or a friend. No, 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 no. Rory is, Rory, my, my most fond memory of, so Rory and I used to work at the Morgan Center together. Wait, I probably shouldn't name drop in case we'll get in trouble <laughs> because the Morgan Center is a school. But anyway, we don't have to, don't have to keep this bit. Um, but Rory and I used to work at a school for, um, or an autism school? I don't know. I forget what the lingo is these days. A school for autistic children. Um, children? Yeah. But anyway, Rory, my most uh, vivid memory of Rory, I probably shouldn't call him out like this, but he threw a cone at me one time, like a traffic cone. We'd gone out in downtown San Jose. And like, if you've ever been out in downtown San Jose, that is not a classy time out. You don't go to downtown San Jose if you're looking to sip wine. Well, now downtown San Jose has changed. But back in the day, you used to go, if you were a girl, if you were like looking to wear a tight, dress with like high heels and not be able to walk and get really sloppy. And if you were a guy, you're going to come home with a girl. 
and be really aggressive towards women. That was kind of the reputation of downtown San Jose. So we used to go down out in downtown San Jose and have a really, really good time. And let's just say <laughs> there was one time Rory had a really good time and then started running away from me. Like, and I was like, uh, I feel like you might be a danger to <laughs> the world right now. Maybe we don't keep this part because Rory, okay. I, I still care about you. No. <laughs> there was nothing bad that happened. He just threw a cone at me. That's a whole episode to do in the future, you know, going out with your friends post-college life. Everybody. Right? Or just like the, the phases in life of going out. That's because the- going out used to mean different things for me. And now going out, I mean, I still go out, but like going out, I don't even know what, what does going out look like to you now? I mean, it's funny. I was just talking with Asia about this and like, I still like to dance and I would mm. still like to go out, but one, we're in COVID. So that's not happening. Yeah. Even prior to COVID for me personally, the energy level to go out and party the way that I used to is not yeah. there. But when it would be there, like maybe occasionally, it was still hard now to find dance places because now when you go out, people are on their phone. People are, are fronting for the gram. People aren't really engaged the way they were right. like 10 years ago. So I'm not going out as frequently or I wasn't going out as frequently, but then when I did, it was like, well, I do like to two-step, you know what I mean? But <laughs> and I, don't know, I used to look forward to, I remember like being 21, they used to have like the 25 and up clubs. You oh yeah. We need to bring that back. We need, to, we need to come out like with a 25 and up club where it's nothing but like old school 90s, and all the music that like we grew I mean, up. I'd be down for a 30 and up club. I think we've aged since then. <laughs> oh, right, you're right about that. That's what it, it, would, it would be 30. 25 and up. and up would feel a little young for me at this point. I, and then let's do that. Let's make that another business venture. People would, people would um, buy into it because there is a group of people that still value good music like that. And like yeah. a time where we're like, we're actually dancing and not trying to post on our Instagram story, which is what a lot of people do when they go out. You know? Wait, okay. So uh, l- clarify for me, what, what about that? Like takes away from your mojo when you're out, because I'm thinking like, Oh sure. If I'm out and I'm having a good time and I'm going out with my friends, I'm, I'm having a good time regardless of whether people are on their phones or not. So like, why is that affecting you and your ability to dance? Because, because I'd love to see you dance regardless. I mean, I'm a cool dance. But the vibe, you know, like, the, mm. like it's, it's, it's a vibe, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. way back with this one. Like, I remember like early 2000s, where you used to call this 1-800 number, okay? It was like the Black <laughs> Friday, aka the and you called a number and this random voicemail would pop up and this dude would be like, yo, it's going down this Friday. Oh and my Like gosh. random, like warehouse in West Oakland, because back in the day, like when, Oakland didn't really have a downtown. We just had warehouses. And you would So this go, was like a voicemail recording. A voicemail where the party was going to be at. You roll up with your friends and it would be a DJ and it would be like over like a hundred people and everybody just vibing and dancing and having a good time. And the party would go from like 8 p.m. to like midnight. And then afterwards, yeah. the sideshow would happen. And it was a vibe. It was cool. It was just like, that's what everybody was doing too. And it wasn't like, somebody coming up to you asking, oh, let me get your Instagram. So then I can Instagram stalk you. It was like, oh, let me actually get your number and call yeah. you and talk to you and have a conversation. Yeah. So that vibe, that, that's the only way I could describe it. It's a vibe. Okay. So take this. I know neither of us are like, we barely consider ourselves millennials, but take generation <laughs> Z or whatever that generation is after us. Now say, cause they're, they're 20 and 21 now. Yeah. 
Like that's the prime age. They're probably even older than that. They're probably the 25 year olds. Now say they walk into a, that club situation that you're talking about or that party situation and no one is on their phone. What do you think they would think? Like, would they turn around and be like, you know what, this, this place is dry, man. We're, we're not going to hang out here. Like, is that now part of the vibe is to have like social media culture be a part of the scene everywhere you go. Like, and I'm not just talking clubs. It's like going out, going like, you know, to a bar, going and hanging out at the park. Like social media posting is now a part of the fun, I feel like. Yeah. And I think honestly, if I For those had- who couldn't see, I should just did the, the hardest eye roll right now. I know. Well, <laughs> to like give a more hopeful response if they were to walk into a space like that and they didn't have their phones i would be hopeful that they would just take in the scene and engage with that because there still is something going on there the same way that there's something per se going on on your phone but the difference is this is actual real life and this is not a simulation or a highlight reel of people posting certain things and certain images this is an opportunity to really engage so i would hope that those group of Gen Z people would take that as an opportunity. And I also want to point out because yeah, technically we are millennials, but we, I think your generation can overlap and it also depends on um, who you grew up around, all of that. I know some people my age who are hardcore millennials, like, you know, posting on the gram and like, all of those millennial things that are so, and not like in a bad way. I feel like millennials get a bad rap. I think there's positive things with being a millennial as well. And a lot of like, you know, modern day culture has a lot to thank uh, millennials for. But I also know people my age, and I consider myself a part of this group, not because I, I mean, I am kind of a special snowflake, but not because of that. But I think there's, there are some people my age who feel the in-between. They truly feel the in-between. And they wouldn't even call themselves generation x right which is what was right before us yeah they just feel like i don't really fit in either i feel like for me i could say i've said this to you before i feel like i have a generation x soul with millennial tendencies because i still engage in some of the things and like even if you're not engaging in it fully the way our culture is set up in Mm -hmm. terms of like instant access everything on demand go 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 there's subliminal effects that come with that i actually had um and i'll talk about this later but I had to come to like Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad moment where I was realizing, whoa, my sense of entitlement had risen. And Mm -hmm. I had like a moment where I had to like check myself and humble myself. And I had to realize a lot of that has come from like the society and how everything subconsciously and consciously is always presented in this illusion that it, it should be handed to you now and it should happen now. But that's not reality, but that's what technology in the world around us kind of tricks our mind into thinking. Yeah. And that's what creates entitlement, anxiety, depression, all these things. And so if we don't start asking ourselves, like what our relationship is, like with the technology and the changing world, we'll get sucked into it in a way, in my opinion, that will kind of change us and alter us in ways that won't be for the better. But there are good things if we know how to use it for the good. I I, I have a very mixed relationship with my technology. I mean, I'll be the first to say that I, if you give me like four hours of nothing to do and my phone on full battery and told me to sit on my phone for four hours, I could do it. Yeah. And I wouldn't feel bad about it. I mean, I would feel feel bad about it, but like 
I would be sucked in and I wouldn't be like, oh God, when, when can I get off my phone? I would be lost for those four hours. And, but at the same time, I know how bad it is. I mean, it truly is an addiction, right? Like even addicts of other substances and other behaviors realize that they are addicts, but they continue to partake in it because of the reward that it gives them. And I think that it's no different than, I mean, yeah, there are far worse addictions, quote unquote. I don't think actually we understand fully the extent to which phones are changing our brains and changing our behavior right now. I think in like 30 years, we're going to look back and be like, holy, you know, we should have really regulated that more, right? It's going to be like smoking in a way. You know how like smoking, people were like in the 50s and 60s, like, yeah, it's cool, it's cool. And then like in the 80s, we were like, wait, maybe we shouldn't have been doing that. That's such a great like analogy or would it be metaphor? Maybe metaphor because it's more poetic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's such a great metaphor. Um, you're right. And I guess we'll just have, that's why if you're aware of it to some degree now, do the best you can. Because even going back like to the entitlement thing, like I directly pulled that from just like, everything's so instant. It's like your dash, Google, subconsciously start thinking things should happen when I want them to happen because everything else does. And it doesn't work like that. So, but yeah, I mean, with all that being said, we need to open up our 30 plus club. You can call it black (laughs) and yellow. We can bring back, you know, it could be, it could be for the blacks, the Asians, the people. Wait, remind me. So you're an 84 baby. Yeah. And September 10th, 4th, 8th. (laughs) All right. I have a lot of early September babies. So I I get confused. I have a September 5th. I have a September 11th. I have a September 9th. So, okay. So you're September 4th. So you're almost a year younger than me. Yes. To the day. Yes, yes, yes. I have the same birthday as Richard Wright. Most people don't know that his birthday is on September 4th. People go to Beyonce. No disrespect. Beyonce, cool. But Richard Wright. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about how crazy it is that you and Beyonce, you and Beyonce, right? Yes, Beyonce. And then, what's that? No, go ahead. No, I'm saying. Well, and then, you know my birthday. Yes, I know, right? It's kind of weird. (laughs) I know. You got Michael Jackson. August 29th. Yeah. We all know August 29th, the late and great. I'm still going to say great because I'm still on that train. No, I'm fully on that train, steaming ahead. And come <laughs> find me, great by you, it feels different. Okay, so that's, that's it's cool. Michael Jackson's birthday. It's Michael Jackson's birthday. Yeah. and Michael Jackson. I was, so Michael Jackson was 25 when I was born. And I was 25 when Michael Jackson passed. Because he passed around, he passed at 50. He been 49. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, right? Yeah. I'm just, I mean, I'm finding completely random numbers, but I think I like realized it one day. So Michael Jackson and I share the same birthday and he was 25 when I was born. And then 25 years later, because I remember when um, when I was 25, he passed and it was, I still remember where I was. Do you remember where you were when you found out? I was was, um, getting my hair braided and I was preparing to go to New Orleans for the first time for Essence Fest. So I was getting me a fresh do. And um, watching the news with my braider, Karen, shout out to Karen, used to give me that college discount, hooked me up real good. Nice, nice. We saw that like he got rushed to the hospital and they said he passed and we both were like, that's not true. That's not true. And I was like straight denial. But Mm. then on the way home, it was confirmed. 
And I remember I was playing at that time for what, for whatever reason, I was playing the Thriller album already. Really? And I was playing the Lady in My Life song. So then I'm oh. away home from getting my hair braided. I played that song and I remember crying because there's only three artists I cried over who passed away. It's been Luther, Michael, and Prince. Prince. And yep. yeah, Michael was a hard one. Just, just because like, I really feel like, I feel like the culture, the celebrity, the powers to be, we want to discuss that. I feel like that's what really killed him because he wasn't happy. He was, yeah. that's a light way of putting it. He was, he I was mean, filtered. talk about like a, a product of the negative consequences of celebrity. He was a victim of celebrity. Mm-hmm. The aspect of celebrity. I mean, we see so many victims. Like, like I don't know. I think of like Britney Spears comes to mind. Um, who else can you think of that are victims of? I mean, there's so many. Like Whitney. Yeah. You know, so many people that. Not to say their lives would have been fine and dandy without the celebrity, but it really was the aspect of celebrity that drove them to that particular state in their lives that ultimately led to their passing. Now, Britney is not gone, but. I don't know. I feel like every time I see Britney, there's like not very much life left in her. Yeah. And it just, yeah, it just really shows another thing about the culture, the idolization, the putting on a pedestal, Mm -hmm. the weird obsession that people have around seeing somebody at their greatest, but then some people thriving in somebody's like demise. It's just sick. Where were you when Michael passed? So I was in the movie theater um, in Santa Barbara when this happened. And I remember getting like an instant alert or something on my phone. Um, you remember like text messages that used to like do instant alerts and stuff oh via God. text back in the day. And again, I just was like, no, no, that's not possible. No. I mean, I felt the same way about Kobe when that happened. I felt the same way about a lot of big celebrities where like you knew things were a Kobe was different, but like with Michael and Whitney, at least you knew things were bad. You knew things weren't going well in their lives, but you didn't think that it would reach that point really ever. Yeah. You know, like you're, you're kind of like, God, I hope they're well. And then when it does happen, you're just like, fuck, you know? And it really just also shows, cause I think the thing that, I'm pretty sure like you're aware of this because we recognize that we can admire and respect um, a musical artist, a writer, an athlete, an entertainer from the lens of like their mm-hmm. profession. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, oh, I heard Mike, like I sung Michael's Man in the Mirror in my preschool's graduation class. You know what I mean? Like, oh, in your, like, you know, your life, like, oh, I think of, I'm your baby tonight when I think of my first time falling in love by Whitney. You yeah. know what I mean? Like these yeah. different things that all of us can pull from. But at the end of the day, these are real people just like you and I who like there's somebody's brother, there's somebody's sister, there's somebody's yeah. mom. And so as much as we miss them, there's a whole other entity and immediate group that's close to them that's mourning them on a different level. And I feel like that's why I don't understand sometimes why people can't make that connection between like, yes, they're a celebrity, but they're also people and they need that privacy and that respect the same way you would want that too, you know? Cause we're, we're celebrating and mourning them in a different kind of way than somebody who knew them intimately. Yeah. You know, like I know you Ty, you know what I mean? Like you're my friend and right. there's people that know you as Ty founder of Listen for a Change. 
So this, it's a difference, you know? And so I just think people need I to- I love those people. Boundaries. I wish that I could surround my, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. If, if, that is, if that crowd exists, I don't actually know where they are. Um, <laughs> There's people out there that respect and admire and are looking up to you. Oh my gosh, did I tell you the, the first time, I want to get back to this topic because I'm not done with it, but like the first time that someone in the real world, speaking of going out, at a club, a dance club, where I was dancing, which is something I don't do often. And I don't think I'm a bad dancer. I'm just not, I, you know, it's rare that I like get down, get down. Um, but they, <laughs> I was on the dance floor dancing and someone screamed my name, or no, didn't scream my name, screamed, listen for a change and pointed at me. And it was a complete stranger who only recognized me as the founder of Listen for a Change and hosting the story hour. She had attended a story hour and she saw me at a club and sh- like shrieked my name on the dance floor. And I had never felt more celebrity in my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those little, those moments. And it's like, it's a very interesting feeling when like somebody recognizes you that doesn't know you. Yeah. I, speaking of Listen for a Change, when we did my, um, when we did my release party for my plays, mm. there was um, this young woman who attended and she was like, Oh, I first um, discovered you on Listen for a Change website. And ever since I've been following you on Seed You So and I bought your plays. And she was just basically expressing how like I had inspired her to start writing, writing. And I was like, that's dope, you know, follow your dreams, go after like we're just having a conversation about having the courage like to just write your story. Yeah. And it's like a moment where you're just like, that's dope. Like you recognize the work, but it's also like, whoa, that's also kind of weird because you're just it, it reminds me that like oh yeah, people are paying attention. Let it be like on a small scale, Beyonce scale. But I mean, I don't know. To me, it's all about quality as opposed to quantity. And yeah. I, I'm always going to keep humility as one of my core values because mm-hmm. I feel like if you don't have that, that's how you can get sucked into a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. And so I think about that, especially like for us both as creatives, like yeah. you for a change in your photography and me as a writer and us doing podcasts like there possibly is a potential tie that like we could really take off like that we might look back at this 10 years and they're like oh snap uh, you never know but like you never know you never know you never know but but you're right that's not, the, that's not like my <laughs> per se goal in, in like the end game it's more so just about yeah. just trying to just make the difference and i feel like if you just make a difference even with one person it's cliche but it's true you've done your part so you know, it's interesting that you say that humility is one of your, what did you say? Core values. Core values. Because I do think it's for me as well, or at least a semblance of humility. But for me, humility doesn't come from, this is me getting a little deep right now. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it doesn't come from a place of like trying to stay humble. It's not trying coming from a place of staying grounded. It's not coming from a place of someone having taught me that like, I need to show humility because of whatever, you know, X positive trait comes out of that. It comes from a place of low self-esteem. And so I don't even know that I can call it humility at the end of the day. I think it comes off as humility. I know, right? I know. I told you I was going to go deep. What's that? I don't think that's, if it's coming from a, well, I didn't that. It comes off as humility. It comes off as like, oh, thank you. I'm not that great. Or I mean, not that I say stuff like that, right? But like this, like it, it shows up in the same way sometimes of me not, not kind of capitalizing on any sort of unfounded greatness 
or thinking that I'm greater than I am mm. and being rooted. But I think for me, that rootedness comes from me coming from a place of not feeling worthy, not feeling enough, not feeling like I had talent to See? offer. And see, okay, and I, I was making a face, not at you. I was making a face at the definition if you thought I was, <laughs> because it's interesting that you say that because I'm looking up two different like definitions. So the Wikipedia mm. one, which we know Wikipedia. I didn't know Wikipedia right. had definitions. So it says humility is the quality of being humble. Dictionary definitions accentuate humility as a low self-regard and a sense of unworthiness. And then- What? The That's yeah. totally my definition. But the other, there's another definition that says, freedom from pride or arrogance mm. quality or state of being humble and it says like down to earthness humbleness meekness modesty that's the humility that i feel like because when i think of unworthiness yeah at the end of the day like ty you matter okay i'm looking at you matter you <laughs> i know happy. thank you <laughs> you're worthy. You're i'm so uncomfortable with this pep talk I know, but, but I get it though, because we do live in a world since day one on so many different levels. We've all have been told for lack of better term, you ain't shit. We yeah. all have gotten that on so many different levels. On so many different levels, you're right. Yeah, so it's understandable that you would feel that way. But I think the true essence of humility is recognizing there is power in what you have. And there is power in the greatness that you offer. And there's a time to boast in that. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's a time to just sit down and going back to what you say around like the groundingness, recognizing that, man, I'm just humbled by these gifts that have been given to me. And I'm mm. thankful for the opportunity to give them to somebody else. Mm. That's the way I look at humility. It doesn't mean like you have to walk around like, oh, please, no, don't call yeah. me beautiful. No, if you're beautiful, you're beautiful. But just be humbled by that and just be thankful that you have that gift. And not just a, a vanity, like a physical beauty. I'm talking you about- You know you're beautiful though, right? You know you're beautiful. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> But like you're beautiful, like outwardly, internally, you're beautiful through your. Let me tell you why you're beautiful, Ty. You're beautiful. Wait, no, no. Let's not do this in public. No, this is the opposite of humility. This is no. the opposite. But no, you can you can receive two things can exist at the same time. You can receive <laughs> the compliment while still being humble. Oh gosh, you're this beautiful is like because you're I should a, be paying you. This is better therapy offer. than I get weekly. You are extremely gifted. You have great execution skills. You are one of like the few people in my life who says what they mean and means what they say. You are a person of your word. You have great integrity. You're a good time. You're right. well-rounded. You're thoughtful. You're introspective. You inspire. Great. Me. And we're going to cap it at 10. And Thank you have you. a beautiful <laughs> smile. And I love your cute button nose and your pretty eyes. Oh, I'm gosh. Nervous. You know, my friend Adam said he that, used to make fun of me for my nose. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for those kind words. Yeah, um, and on my bad days, I'm going to replay that 10 second clip because <laughs> I need to hear that. I don't truly believe it. And it, it's been a journey um, and it still is a journey to try to just not think of myself as great, but to think of myself as worthy. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that factors into why I started listening for a change. Anyway, back to the nose comment, just a really side, like quick side quip. <laughs> For those who don't know, I have kind of a squat nose, which oh, I should cutely call the button nose. But my friend Adam used to call it my Patrick Ewing nose. And I don't know if you know that ref reference, but you need to look at Patrick Ewing. Do you know who he is? Wait, the basketball coach? The basketball player. Wait, there's a basketball coach. Wait, hold on. 
I mean, he might have coached afterwards. I don't know. I'm not a. I'm oh, my... yeah, yeah, the dude from New York Knicks. Yeah. Yeah, I love, yeah, because you know it definitely has <laughs> African features, and I love it. <laughs> what I love your nose. It's another like... intersection of Asian and black <laughs> in is... on our podcast. <laughs> okay, wait, wait. So now I want to rewind. I want to thank you, by the way, for that little little therapy session. Um, and I I will think about that later when I'm not <laughs> mindful of myself and self-aware but I want to go back to I want to go back to like the Michael statement that you said about how like people who know Michael know him on a different level than the world knows him as a celebrity Mm -hmm. and I want to just see what you think about I I, were you trying to say that we should be able to separate the art from the artist and if not to what extent should we separate the art from the artist like can we appreciate michael music and not be bogged down by michael drama can we to use a more extreme example appreciate you know where i'm going with this yeah can we appreciate r and not think of you know like r kelly's past and all of his actions that he's taken like, where is that line in separating the art from the artist? Very good question. So one, in terms of what I had stated originally around, like, there's a way that we know Michael as the artist and there's a way that his family knows him intimately. I don't connect that to the argument or like the conversation around separating the art from the artist. Mm-hmm. We go into that realm. Now we're talking about accusations. We're talking about crimes. We're talking about Mm. felonies. We're talking about areas where people have been violated, betrayed, and disrespected. Mm. What I was talking about was just like the different um, type of relationships that people have with Michael that we don't or other celebrities. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's something different. Now we're going over into the art from the artist. And if we're bringing up situations that are problematic of a person's character, um, things that are criminal, things that have ruined certain people's lives. Um, It's layered. Um, I think I can't speak for everybody, obviously, and I don't try to. But I think what I can say for me is I take everything with a grain of salt. Mm. So with that being said, Unless I personally have done the given knowledge and research on a given, like, hold on, let me, let me backtrack. Let's just use R. Kelly, for example. Let's just be more direct or whatever. Yeah, Um, that's a pretty extreme example. But, you know, if we're going there, we're going there. Go there. Um, There is video evidence of this man (laughs) with a younger woman. So, so it's known, right? Okay. Yes. I mean, okay. So I was going to say there, there is video evidence. Yes. And there also has been not, I'm not defending R. Kelly because I don't think anyone in their right mind could, but there has been video evidence. There has been more than video evidence with like Aaliyah and all of that back until like from the beginning of their careers. Yeah, I know. And we've seen it and we've supported, not supported mm-hmm. the act, but we've supported the artist well, and we've okay. continued to you know, remix to ignition and like, you know, step in the name of love. All, all of this was known. Yeah. So, so continue. So with that being said, for me personally, this is my opinion. I can say, yes, R. Kelly made good music. He did. I love TP2.com. TP2.com. Um, I'm not, but me 
just for me, like me recognizing though, like the things that he's done, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be that devastating for me personally to stop listening to R. Kelly. Like the music for me personally wasn't that like life-changing. Like my life can go on without listening to I Believe I Can Fly and Filling On Your Booty <laughs> or Stepping In Any Love. Those are cool songs, yeah. but they're not going to like, oh my God. Like, so for me in that given moment, when I look at the it's art- It's no man like, in the mirror for you. Yeah, like when I look at the art and I look at the artist, then I'm like, all right, cool. I don't really care about your art like that. Now let's go to Michael, right? Michael, now if there was, if there was hardcore like proof, I, I can't front on you. That would be hard for me. I probably would still mm. listen to music. I would then have to then separate. I would have to acknowledge his crimes, but I would still say the music is good. I would, because I love his music that much. Yeah. I would. I'm just being honest. But there isn't any hardcore evidence on Michael. There yeah. isn't. There's, there's a lot of accusations. There's a lot of hearsay. There's a lot of, yeah. So that's so a lot But then, to- okay. So the. Sorry, I, I was gonna say like oftentimes when there are crimes that have happened, yeah. there isn't hard evidence, especially when the crime is against victims who are voiceless and sure. or don't have a platform, right? As a celebrity may or don't have money or don't have whatever and can be discredited and discounted. So then like, where's that line? I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm not saying you're right or wrong. I'm just kind of having a discussion on but then it makes me think about as a society, so what are our values then around the court of the public opinion? Because we live in a time where everybody feels like they have a right to make judgment on somebody else's crimes or mm. even just shortcomings. Let it be something as sick and demonic as pedophilia to even something as like infidelity. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So with that being said, for me personally, if it didn't, if it does not personally involve me, and if I'm not in the room when it happened, I'm not here to say it did happen, and I'm not here to say it didn't happen. So even mm-hmm. when Michael, I can objectively say, who knows? It could have happened, it could have not happened. Mm-hmm. But I can't, at least for me personally, like, that's what I was, th- was going to say. And he's not here to defend himself on top that of everything part too. else. And then, like, also, too, as me, as, like, a consumer of the media, who is really taking the time to do true investigative like reporting journalism like reading the court documents reading the transcripts really doing thorough investigation on these given like not and I'm not just with michael just with anything that goes on yeah what most people do is they get a snippet of a story they get the sensational part and whatever feeds their bias that's what they jump to so right. that can go from anything from let it be bill cosby let it be to michael let it be to even when um, Nate Parker, remember mm-hmm. that happened? Um, there's a lot. So I, I just feel like, and since we're being saturated with it so much, I think for me personally, I just take a step back and just say, I, I don't know the facts, so I can't offer an opinion. Yeah. But I can't say with R. Kelly, I saw the video. <laughs> <laughs> you so probably wish you didn't see that video. That. Um, okay, I'm going to take it just a step further because, you know, I'm all about pushing lines of thought and getting us to challenge our thinking because you're right. Oftentimes we like jump to conclusions, especially in the day and age of social media and like us being fed information Mm. about what we should think. Mm. So then let's connect, let's connect our conversation about separating the art from the artist. Mm. 
and like all of and I know we didn't come to like any sort of conclusion there it's complicated with separating the famous figure from their personal life and what I'm thinking of is specifically presidents founding fathers revolutionary leaders that we admire like people from our past from dark parts of their history that may not have sat very well with the test of time Mm -hmm. and so george washington owning slaves is one common example that you see being brought up george washington did so much greatness for this country and like was brilliant in you know his own respect of course i wouldn't be able to found a nation um, and be the first president but at the same time back in the day not only did everyone have slaves and yes it was still wrong back then as it has always been since the beginning of time but like he was a part of that movement so what do we think of that so it makes me think about this interview i saw with um the rapper krs1 and oh my god step into a world <laughs> that song was my jam back in the day do you remember this yes i do so <laughs> that's how you crack me sorry up. no you're fine he was um, being interviewed by Nick Cannon and they were talking about leadership mm. in the black community. But he brought up a really good point around like, it's not about who's our next leader. It's about what are the values and principles of the society and let the values and principles then define what the code is and what the laws are. And so if we look at like the example you gave with George Washington, like objectively saying, I like how you brought that up. It's very true. At his given time, these were the values in the code and the code of ethic. Like white men were superior. Mm-hmm. People of color were slaves. That's just what it was. Was it right? No. Um, but it's something we have to acknowledge. I don't think it's something we should erase and try to cover up. I think it's something we should discuss and question, well, why was it like that? Where did those values and beliefs come from? What was problematic about that? And then how can we make sure that we go forward with not repeating that? So we, we need to have that conversation. We shouldn't just say, oh my God, it was bad, get rid of it. No, we need to dig deep and see where it came from. And I think that's the problem. We don't dig deep and we don't talk about why things were the way they were. We just try to get rid of it without really acknowledging the root. Because until you get to the root, it's going to just keep popping up. That's so are you we, talking about like tearing down statues or you, you know, erasing yeah. parts of those quote unquote, erasing the part of the history? Like, so you're, you think we need to dig deeper and go past that. It isn't I as simple that. as like just removing a statue and that's it. We don't have to think about it again. Yeah. Cause I think I definitely agree. You got, you have to one, define the values of the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how you do that. I'm not going to act like I do, but we should have a collective like values and principles, but it feels like today's society doesn't have that, to be honest. It seems like a free-for-all. But even down the street from my house right now, um, they're building the Michelle Obama School. Mm. And it was once the Woodrow Wilson School. Mm. We all know he was a racist. And so, I, and it, that's why I love the fact that you brought this up because I did think to myself like, yo, that's dope that it's Michelle Obama. But then my mind went to like the people who at one point in time, rallied and we're like we're gonna name this school Woodrow Wilson yeah that was their hero yeah the same way there was a group of people at one point in time that were like and yes we're gonna celebrate Christopher Columbus but it shows the evolution of people and the times and where we're at but I just think we need to 
I'm not, I'm not advocating celebrating Christopher Columbus and I'm not advocating keeping Woodrow Wilson's school up. I'm just, I'm just advocating push the narrative forward with freedom thinkers and mm-hmm. also push the narrative forward by acknowledging the root of where that came from. Because there are groups of people that still celebrate Columbus Day. Yeah, there oh yeah. People, even in the Bay Area, when they told, tore down the Sir Francis Drake um, statue. Oh yeah, people were pissed. Yeah. So I'm like, we need, like, it doesn't go away just because we tear down the statue. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know, what do you think? Like, History is complex. I think that, you know, once you go into that territory, so like to backpack, backpack, back tr- backpedal, <laughs> sorry got a little i got i gotta take a sip right here <laughs> so to backpedal to musicians and artists so my opinion about that is again how i feel like it is being a conscious consumer in the world it's impossible because once you start start the same way in which you start boycotting walmart because walmart i mean do whatever you want right just realize that what you're doing is probably ineffective and futile in the grand scheme of things but like when you start boycotting walmart you got to look into target and like once you dig deep with target you're going to find some dirty stuff there once you start boycotting you know nike you got to dig deep into apple and once you start digging deep into Apple, you're going to find some, un, you know, like things that you don't like about their practices and, and how they run their business, because that is the nature of things. It's complex. And so I think if you are going to, you know, say, again, R. Kelly is, that's an extreme example. I don't even want to go know, there because right? that's just, there's, there's only wrong there. There's no defending R. But, but like, say a Michael, for example, right? If you're, or any number of artists who've been accused of things. If you're going to boycott Michael, I think then you have to start looking at a lot of artists back in the day, especially male artists who've done really unsavory things that we may or may not know about, or we may know about. And we've just, it was, you know, the Rat Pack. They were just, you know, ladies men. And they used to like, you know, philander with women, right? But like, what did we found out that they were actually sexually assaulting women, which I would put money on like, you know, the Rat Pack, probably one of them at some point in their lives have like been aggressive with a woman in a way that wasn't consensual, right? So if you're going to dig deep there, then what, I have to stop listening to Frank Sinatra, I have to stop listening to maybe even Louis Armstrong, who knows, Stevie Wonder, like, I'm, I mean, I'm just not saying I have anything on these people, but I'm saying once you dig. Pablo, Pablo Picasso. <laughs> yeah. And so, but I do think you're right in that we need, need to have conversations about this and we need to look at it in the context of things. And I, I do think it's possible to still enjoy, it's up to the person at the end of the day. I think if you like Michael, you're going to like Michael and that's your judgment call and you listening to his music doesn't make you a bad person. I, I think you're like, I'm good. I'm going to continue. <laughs> I, mean, I would even say the same thing. I'm not going to come for somebody that wants to listen to R. Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, as you're right. I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I think there would be a part of me that'd be like, Ooh, but don't you know? Yeah. But like at the same exactly. time, it's like, I 10 years ago, not even 10 years ago, like five, six years ago was snapping along the remixed ignition. Right. And like including it on mixed tracks and stuff like that. Um, uh, not it, that anyway, go ahead. No, you're right. And that that poses the question of like, so 
who then decides this isn't cool anymore? And then when does that start to happen? And then the last part is why? Because like, like what was that aha moment of like people saying, wait, R. Kelly been doing some shiesty stuff, but like you brought up a good point. Like we've been knew this. Why yeah. now? I don't know. Yeah. Even I actually I- don't know. I, I'm sure the Wikipedia page would say something about this, but I actually don't know when things turned for R. Kelly. It definitely started, people were talking about it um, more once that documentary came out. Oh, yeah, but people are already feeling things before. Yeah, like, I felt like by it. that point, it was already not cool. Yeah. You know what? He was on trial for, uh, you know, like had a couple um, hearings. So I think it might have been around that time. I also, I mean, tell me what you think about this, but I wonder if it's when the Black community turned on R. Kelly. Has the Black community turned on R. Kelly? How we did I don't know. You tell me. I don't, I, I, I feel like, yeah, kind of. Like, it's, they're not going to play him on the radio now. I think there's you know? a mixture. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't done like a formal poll. <laughs> <laughs> on behalf of the Black community. <laughs> um, on behalf of the Black delegation. There are some people out there who still rock his music, though, and still yeah. defend him. I mean, I can't really make like a general statement. Um, but we are living in a time, though, where like we have access to more information. So I think that heightens everything, too. So mm. on one side of the coin, it's like, oh, great. We have access to like these answers, these truths, these different things that weren't given to us before. But on the other side, it's all overwhelming and it's bombarding. And then sometimes it's hard to tell what is the truth because mm. there's so much coming at you. Yeah. And we haven't really been given, I said this on the podcast this Sunday. Remember like um, when you were in elementary school, you had like the library period? Yeah elementary school where you had to go to the library and your librarian would read a book for the week and independent reading. And then I remember we used to go over card cataloging system and how to properly research and work on a bibliography. And like, there was like a process we were being trained on. This is what it means to research. Mm. You don't do that with the internet. I feel like good history teachers and good English teachers try to do that. But you're right, as regular consumers, because it's, the information is so ready, yep. it's so readily available and so easy to digest that we just take oh. it oftentimes for what it is. And they play I mean, mm-hmm. as, as, as cognizant as you and I and people you know like us are who consider themselves analytical thinkers and think twice about things, we're as guilty as the next person of reading yeah. a headline and assuming mm-hmm. that we know, we've made a judgment yep. on what this news headline has just read. Yep, because confirmation bias is real and the people in charge already know. And you're right, thank you for calling us out because I know I've been guilty of it. Like we all, to some degree, are triggered to want to find that argument or that piece of information that's going to fulfill our already given bias. But It's just ooh, human. Yeah, know? but like, I remember that like, even in um, elementary school, like, you know, this learning about um, research is being objective, mm. looking at the facts, not looking for what you want. But, but even, and then you can go deeper and talk about, well, then who's writing history in those car catalogs? Yeah. I mean, you could have, I mean, there's so many different ways, like, but in our given time, this is where we are. And I just, want to go on the record for saying that I do not endorse R. Kelly. <laughs> um, 
And, you know, with Michael, who knows, that's why. Things might change, right? Like even your example of Michelle Obama and, you know, having a school named after her. I mean, granted, I can't imagine right now in this current day and time, but like in 200 years, we might look back and be like, ooh, we got to take down the Michelle Obama name. Exactly. Who knows? Who knows? Right. And even things that I, I, this is a good reflection on me and my behavior because there are things that I, ways I behave, ways I talk, things I do right now that in five years I'll look back upon and be like, wow, that was not cool. Right. Like just even flashback to when we in like the nineties and two thousands, like there were things that we used to say in our vernacular. That's a whole nother conversation, but you know, there were things that we used to say expressions, ways in which men interacted with women that again, objectively in the grand scheme of things were not okay. And like not, you know, like history will, will, you know, say what it has on that. But like, we were a part of that. So who knows what I am partaking in right now as part of my privilege, as part of my status, as part of my benefiting from society that won't be okay in the future. And that's why maybe that's why it's, that's why it's important. Maybe that is why it's probably important that (laughs) maybe we should start to focus more on the values and principles and not just the people and leaders because mm. people are flawed. Because even the most perfect person at the end of the day still has something they've done or said that may have not have been the best, but like we need to always evaluate what our values and principles are. So maybe going forward, maybe we shouldn't name schools after things and people. Cause and after start, principles. Yeah. Cause then we start worshiping the people and then people yeah. will tell you, even if they don't do some crime against humanity, you know, for, I mean, mm. what would people do if like, but now I'm playing, like, what would, we, what, would, what would people do if they found out like two years into Obama, um, Barack and Michelle's relationship, Obama cheated? People will lose their shit. Oh, but they like, would cancel him. And, and, yeah. And why is that any of our business? Because maybe they went through a rough path. That, that didn't happen. But like, you know, I'm just saying that as an example. The same way that like, you know, that's why I did appreciate when Beyonce and Jay-Z as like, mm. as they were yeah. with their relationship. Even though if you were a true Beyonce fan, you was listening. She was talking. <laughs> she was saying stuff in the um, B.A. album like, you like, <laughs> who you? I, I was keeping Jay that thing. <laughs> Anyway, let me. <laughs> she was dropping hints. She yeah, was, but, you know, but like also interesting. Just like as a quick note, that like she's ugh, of all ways in which you can drop hints, she did it through a public, a very public forum. Mm-hmm. Like, and she capitalized on it. It was like her music, That's what, and I, people I, ate it up. It's weird because it's like one of those things where some people say, "Did they do it on purpose? Did they make it yeah. up?" I don't know. No. Anyway. And, but at the end of the day, like they were a secretive couple who made the marketing choice, the personal choice, hybrid of choices to be public about their issues as a couple. And people were like, oh, she should divorce Jay-Z, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, those are two people with their own two given backgrounds, their own two given relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, just imagine, think, think back to your own personal back and forth heartbreak relationship could you imagine that shit being posted on instagram and people having discussions about it that's what people do i mean because we're doing it right now right yeah but, but not in the context of <clears throat> he need to do this and he need to do that but just kind of like looking at it like these are people like we go through stuff too 
So I, the way I interpret it, like there's so many different things you can kind of pull from that. But the one thing I pulled from at least that example of them was just an opportunity to be authentic about what you're going through. That's the way I took it. I think we got to end on that beautiful, wise note. <laughs> you even get to the Black and Asian. You know what? There's so much Black and Asian that I think that that's just going to be the theme of everything <laughs> from here on out. No, really. I just, I, you know, how we were talking about how the like black and Asian relationships, even just in the Bay area, like, I feel like that isn't just one topic for me. That is one giant topic broken down into subcategories. You can talk about, you know, vernacular, you can talk about ways in which like pop culture was borrowing. You can talk about music you can talk about education like there's so many overlaps and i feel like this is a unique dynamic where um i don't know that there are very many i don't know maybe on like the real or something but like i don't know that there <laughs> what were you thinking of about to say that because think about it every time they have like these talk shows i'm gonna hold my tongue when they have the real and they have the view it's all like <laughs> you know like either like the same gender or like there's like a commonality there's oh you're right there's a commonality between us that's not evident you're on the right. surface and there's differences that like are dope i feel like this is dope like yeah. a black and asian woman i was like a black hold on. <laughs> you could be asian go ahead black. own it own it own that it was, <laughs> sorry a, a black woman and asian man coming together to have conversations about politics culture life both yeah. from the bay and multiple both intersections both. yeah but we have enough commonalities for there to be like a vibe right yeah. like virgos honestly at the end of the day that's what matters right but you know age um interests like music we have art we have a lot of things that connect us and i think that allows us because i think why you don't typically see those two specific demographics you just listed, a Black woman and an Asian man come together is because the lack of commonalities um, oftentimes, or maybe the lack of like social overlap too. And I think you and I were fortunate enough to have like social overlap and like listen for a change brings us together, really. Um, and other things, of course, are art. But I just don't feel like those two demographics like demographics cross paths very often and it i think but i think also too i think it's like that's the way the world or the media can present it but if we dig mm. deeper there are that black and asian friendship even relationship that does exist it's just true you know, very true often i know some black and these people yeah i don't even know if that's okay to say anymore but that's what we used to say growing up you know black apino you know all that yeah <laughs> <laughs> but like I think I really think people would vibe with it and I think it would bring even those two audiences for the people who've yet to kind of like talk would then be like let, let me see because there's there's people out there who are already having conversations that look like us and there's people out there who have yet to that would mm. intrigue themselves and then it would just be a commonality of the stuff we all already all talk about yeah so we gotta continue to I mean, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. We have a whole list of topics and I can't wait to, I mean, every single time talking with you, it's, it just, it flows. I think you were right in saying that we don't even need to focus on one thing because I think the conversation carries itself. Yeah, it does. So with that, mm -hmm. so, I think 
I think there's there's a stay tuned moment here. Stay tuned. <laughs> there's more to come from the Taisha movement, and we're going to encourage movement. Yes, we're going to encourage people to look. Beyond. Asian men and black women. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, to they try to they try to play us like we're nothing in the mainstream society, but everybody want to be us, even though they don't want to admit it. And <laughs> I think also too, it's going to encourage people to look beyond like the surface, because when you dig deep you'll yeah. see that there's more that connects you than disconnects you in my opinion a hundred percent and that is why we listen for a change <laughs>